everybody. Welcome to a brand new episode of FanRag Sports' Premier League podcast. I'm Sebastian Oren. With me is Paulie Quazell and Elliot Niblock. Elliot, you're sort of in a food coma. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I had uh, as many shrimp tacos as I could muster. Shrimp and tacos. I probably could have mustered another margarita, but I don't think that I would be particularly articulate. But we'll see what happens. Okay, were they Baja shrimp tacos? or uh, They were garlic shrimp tacos. I don't know. It's a local Tex-Mex restaurant near where my grandpa snowbirds in Arizona. Oh, you're in Arizona? Yeah. Where? Green Valley. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, Arizona, you can get good Mexican food in Arizona. Mm-hmm. I, thought... I mean, this place is just like the closest, and it's, it's fine. Racist. It's fine. That's cool. Well, That's I think cool. that Seb is speaking from experience. <laughs> I am, yes. <laughs> Having spent many years in Arizona. It's actually one thing that I do miss, though, is decent Mexican food. Still to have some good Midwestern Mexican food. They don't have Chipotle in Cincinnati? Me- <laughs> Chipotle is not Mexican food, and it's not good Mexican food. Even if oh, you call so Mexican do they food. have Cadoba? <laughs> God. Do they have Taco Bell? Oh, then you're covered. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, how are things in New York? They're around. Uh, there's there's Chipotle's. There's, you know, your standard three Taco Bells in Manhattan. I think that's how many we have. Um, but yeah, there's a million Chipotle's and some other fancy Mexican restaurants. And cold weather. Mm. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I know. We got a heat front here in Cincinnati, so we're above freezing. Yay. I think we're actually going to see some rain for Christmas, which is too bad, but whatever. It is what it is. Let's jump into the soccer. We had match day 17 here last weekend. It's been a couple of days. Elliot, what was your biggest takeaway from the weekend? Well, that's me. Uh, yeah, no kidding. He <laughs> um, really set you up for that one. Yeah. Uh, jump into the deep end. Hate it though I do. Two weeks ago, Paulie's prediction of Arsenal beginning their collapse might have been right on the freaking button. Mm-hmm. Yeah, two straight, Ugh. two one losses. Last one coming here against Manchester City. Even and after though, going up one nil. Yeah, going up one nil. Theo Walcott scored fifth minute, but then things. Change in the second half. Leroy Zane and Raheem Sterling getting on the board for City. Uh, Paulie, how do you think that City is faring without Aguero, who is still suspended? I thought this game was really interesting because I came away from this game saying neither one of these teams are title contenders, which they're not because uh, City have one hand and four fingers on the trophy already. Um, Neither one of these teams are title contenders. I thought it was an awful job by both managers. In fact, I was shocked at how that, like how, especially how City came out. Um, they did make some good adjustments in the second half, so let's, so we'll give them credit for that. Uh, and they took advantage of it. I'll be, you know, they did liberally play the offside rule. Um. I thought it was interesting. Arsenal decided right off the bat, let's attack City right up the middle because, well, City don't have center backs. They pretty much 
They might even be better off using mannequins as center backs. That's how invisible they are. And <laughs> what do you know? They scored a goal right away. And then Arsene Wenger was like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Guys, remember, good team here. Don't shoot on target. And Arsenal kind of just said, that's it. We're done. Meanwhile, Manchester City, they played Kevin De Bruyne as that false nine mm-hmm. where he dropped back, which um, was interesting because if you actually looked at their team, which was like De Bruyne and um, Leroy Sané and David Silva and Raheem Sterling, they pretty much played with four wingers. And a lot of times that final ball came in and it was they would play in that deadly final ball where – if you just played with a natural number nine, even if it's Ichianacho, or, I mean, obviously if it's Sergio Aguero, but even if it's Ichianacho, even if it's Javier Hernandez, you know, any natural number nine would have been right there to just finish it in, to fire it in and, and get your finish. They were setting up tap-ins, but because they didn't have a striker on the field, Kevin De Bruyne was never there. They didn't have anybody there to get the finishes. And I just, I thought it was interesting that he was like, we're going to go with the false nine and, you know, he didn't tell anybody like, oh, even like we're playing a false nine. So somebody make sure that you get yourself right in front of the net to like get these easy finishes. Yeah. Yeah. It's always weird when you when you try to play that style. I'm not a fan of not playing with a pure striker on the pitch, but uh, they managed to squeeze out a win here. And in theory, it can work. The only issue is when Spain. you run... <laughs> Spain. Spain. Yeah, I know, but it's still boring. I just yeah, don't I like theory, it. In theory, it can work. It's the issue is is that you you have so many, um, you you end up with so many. What's the best word? Just so many creative players because in theory, like your mind is like, oh, Kevin De Bruyne, he's such a good player. He scores goals. He sets up goals. But you end up with all these guys that are just trying to create and nobody who's trying to finish. Mm-hmm. You need that one guy out there who's just like, screw it. Like, I'm out here to, to score goals. And Yeah, I'm a little bit surprised we didn't see uh, Iannaccio start. Because, I mean, he has a good, you know, minute to goal race ratio. That's for sure. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, the win took City up to third place. They got 20 or 36 points, sorry. One point behind Liverpool. And... Uh... Chelsea sit at the in the lead with 43 points after beating Crystal Palace one nothing. Diego Costa with the lone goal. A little bit tougher than I would have expected. Uh, I mean, it's tough sometimes, but you, you still expect them to win every fixture. Yeah, they're getting they're getting the wins, and at this point, um, you know they. What's the best word? I mean, at this point, they're, they have, like I said, they have one hand and four fingers on the title. No one is taking that title from them. I still think it's too early to call, but well, you do, yeah. do you? they do look you? so good. So I'm, 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 I, I kind of want to agree with you, but it's so early. Well, well, I would never make an outrageous statement and not have something to back it up. So, since the the Premier League went to 20 teams in, I think it was 95, 96, um, the team leading after 17 games, or Christmas, uh, as they like to call it, the team leading at Christmas has won the league 10 times and has been caught 11 times. 
So the other t- so somebody else has won it 11 times. So that is just over half. Eight of those times, eight of those 11 came in the first nine years after they switched to 20 teams. So yeah. since then, yeah. it's only happened three times. Now, other point, only three times has um, – has a te- has the team that overcome the deficit mm-hmm. overcome a deficit of more than three points? But then my counter argument but, is Leicester City won the title last year. Leicester won at Christmas. Yeah, but it's still against all odds, so it's not. I don't yeah. see it as being impossible for a team to catch up to Chelsea. Well, was, well it, I mean, the article I read also it it displayed the uh, the. The logic and Chelsea right now are playing at a 96 point pace. They're on pace for 96 points. They're not going to get 96 points. Even if they drop down to an 85 point pace, like Arsenal and Liverpool and City would have to really up their pace just mm-hmm. to catch them. Yes. But here's here's the thing. Here's why I think that, I mean, I agree with you that Chelsea are, you know, head and shoulders above favorites right now. But here's why I think that they are catchable because even though they've had so much success, with this formation with three at the back without David Luiz and Diego Costa, this team is shaky in defense and toothless in attack potentially. But they have them right now. They have them right now, but that is, but I mean, when, when you have two players who are just so such key cogs and I realize like grain of salt, Mesut Ertzel, Alexis Sanchez, mm-hmm. I get it. Right. But, but those Michael two Carrick. players, but the, but the big difference being, at least difference from Arsenal versus, you know, that, that it's not just two players in attack and then you wonder where goals are coming from. It's does this three defensive back formation work without David Luiz? I'm, I think that it might be able to, but that's that's yet to be seen. And so I think that if one or certainly if both of them go down, then it's a totally wide open race. I think that if they both, are healthy for even the majority of the remaining fixtures, then yeah, Chelsea are probably untouchable. Mm-hmm. We'll get a little but bit of look at t- also, um, but okay. Look at their upcoming schedules. Yes. All right. Um, Arsenal and their next three, the festive period, they play Boxing Day against West Brom at home. Should win. Arsenal do tend to you know kind of be really weird on Boxing Day though, so who knows what happens there? Uh, January first, which is four days later, five days later. Uh, Crystal Palace at home. Pretty straightforward. They should win that. Uh, two days later, January 3rd, they play Bournemouth away. That one could be tricky. Liverpool, Stoke City at home on December 27th because the Premier League is greedy TV assholes who don't respect Boxing Day anymore. Uh, four days later, home against Manchester City. That's not a, that's not a picnic. And then three days or two days later, uh, they go away to Sunderland, which is pretty straightforward, but it's only two days later. Uh, Manchester City schedule. Let me pull that up. They go away to Hull. That's pretty easy. Four days later, away to Liverpool. Tricky. Uh, Two days later, home against Burnley. That's straightforward. They don't work in this argument. Um, (laughs) But here's the crown jewel of this. Chelsea, December 26th. Bournemouth at home. Four days later, Stoke City at home. And then uh, four days later again, Tottenham at, Tottenham away. So, yeah, that's their tricky match. But Chelsea have four days in between each match. Mm-hmm. 
it's not a, it's not a festive period for Chelsea. It's a standard week. It's a standard week, midweek game, uh, another game at the weekend. So while everybody in the Premier League is beating each other up because they have no energy left, Chelsea's at home resting, gearing up for, you know, they, they could easily get three wins out of this. And I would, they could easily have three wins and I would assume everybody else drops points in at least one game. Yeah. yeah, we'll see. Against Bournemouth, though, in their next game, they will be without Diego Costa and N'Golo Kanto are both suspended. Oh, no, but they're home against Bournemouth. Yeah, no, I'm not saying that they're not going to win. I'm just saying that they'll be without Costa and Kante. So we'll see how they do. I mean, I would assume that Batshuayi gets the start up front. Yeah, keep in mind, though, that Bournemouth did win at Stanford Bridge last year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, yes, they're obviously the big favorites, seeing that they have 11 straight wins and they're playing really well. It's but... more just, it's more just, even if they come back down to earth, the other teams who all have such fatal flaws that we've already, we've already been seeing them play out over the year. Um, like Chelsea, I'm sure they have a flaw. Elliot, you said it. Without David Luiz, without Diego Costa, what are they? but they haven't had to worry about that yet. And there's a chance that they won't have to worry about that. Hmm. All right. Leicester didn't have any injuries last year. Chelsea are the same team this year. They are the team with N'Golo Conte that doesn't have to worry about any midweek games in Europe. You know, where they wear blue shirts, same team. Hmm. So they have, we haven't even had to see a, a flaw in Chelsea yet. We've already seen such fatal flaws in Manchester city and in Arsenal and in Liverpool that expecting them to raise their game from what they are, that's asking a lot. And even if they raise their game, Chelsea have to fall so far down to earth in order to be caught. Mm -hmm. I mean, since the switch information, they've looked super strong. Before then, they looked flawed. But since the switch, they've been perfect. So you can't argue against that. So let's call it a day. Uh, We can pack it all up. Chelsea wins. Uh, good night. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not kidding. Though. That's it's bad for the league. It's bad for the league. You're trying to promote yourself worldwide, and you're trying to promote yourself as the best league. Uh, La Liga. What, say say what you want about them, um, and about how many good teams they have in that league. But they usually have a three-team title race that goes right down to the final day. And uh, Bayern Munich haven't pulled away in Germany yet. Uh, Juventus probably pulled away in Italy. I, mm. I don't even know. Not sure what's going on in France, but nobody knows what's going on in France because nobody even watches that. But it's it's not good for the Premier League if it's January 2nd and you're looking at it and you go, well, Chelsea won the league already. And uh, you're looking at it and saying, can Manchester United and Manchester City get their act together and actually can make fourth place in an entertaining race? Mm. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. It can still be interesting, though. Yeah, I, I I don't think that the Premier League is in, even with the dip in viewership that they've seen, I don't think that they're in any real danger of dropping danger, the mantle of the world's greatest league. You're, you're not in danger. It's just, it's not good for the league. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. That's One fair. man who's supposedly not in danger, that's Bob Bradley, Swansea. They suffered a 3 nothing loss to Middlesbrough last game around. But Bradley has the full backing of the board. He's been promised to get some money. 
to go out and spend in the January transfer window. I mean, if let's just jump into the silly season here a little bit. Like, what type of player do they need, and who do you like realistically think that they might be able to add? Elliot. Wait, I'm. I don't know. Michael I Bradley. Mean, oh God, <laughs> that's a that. That that's ridiculous. Tell me, okay, you make you make that case before I respond. It would be hilarious. <laughs> okay, besides the comedy factor, <laughs> I mean, I, I I mean, there's no reason why he should be anywhere near the Premier League, but no. it would be such an easy way out for Bob to just bring in his son on loan. Send him yeah. to Italy. Send him to Italy, Bob. Send your son to Italy. He already did. did. <laughs> send him. Send him back there. Uh, yeah, I he's mean, not you know, gonna. He's not gonna get any better playing his football in Canada. I don't know. Uh, there've been there've been some rumors that they uh, want to bring in Alexander Mitrovic from Newcastle. That that'd be better than Bob Brad than Michael Bradley. Yeah. I mean, he's gonna—he's gonna, gonna cost some money though, because he's—he's well, what, twenty-three, twenty-two? Yeah, uh, let's see. Fifteen. Fifty million pounds has been the speculated number here. Oh my god! Let me answer you this question. Yes. They need a striker. Yes. They need probably a winger. Mm-hmm. They could use a holding midfielder. Yep. And they can use some central defenders. Pretty much everybody that's not Sigurdsson, they need—they need new. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the the player that comes to mind for me, which uh, I'm not I'm not sure that it's totally realistic for them, especially given the fact that you know this is another team that they're right in the thick of it with is Wilfred Zaha. He's a player that would definitely improve that team, but I don't think that there's any prayer that Crystal Palace would sell him to a uh, you know relegation battle rival. No, I mean Pardew values him at like. 40 million pounds or something like that. Which is also absurd, but we're in the realm of absurdity in terms of transfer prices in the Premier League, and we've known that for a while. Yeah. So, yeah, they. I mean, like you said, they, they need help in a lot of spots there, Pauly. Uh, central defenders, though, they don't grow on trees. <laughs> they don't grow anywhere anymore. <laughs> no. What is up with that? We need kids to stop wanting to be new uh, Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo and become the new Paolo Maldini or Cannavaro or no, Nesta. No, you're missing you're missing the one that they should become. You're missing I know you want me to say Ferdinand and Vidic. No, only one of them. I only wanted to say one of them. You just want Vidic. Just want Vidic. The he, world would be a better place with more Vidic's. Because he would eat your children. <laughs> I was going to say robberies would go down. <laughs> You're not going to rob a guy that looks like Vidic. No, that's true. Yeah, one, I mean, let's jump over to um, Manchester United. We're sort of flip-flopping around here. It's almost Christmas. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. It's yeah. the holiday season. <laughs> Manchester United, 2 nothing win over West Brom. Two goals by the man, the myth, the legend, Slatan Ibrahimovic. Man, is he in form. Ooh. Yeah, Apparently, he has, like, the best start in Premier League history, like the goal return wise. Music Which in is, my ears. 
music yeah. to my ears. He's hurting the scoring race right now. It goes to show you. It goes to show you how bad the manager is. That you could have the striker who's on the best star ever, and you can't freaking score more than one goal in a game, and you can't win games. Yeah. Yeah, that's. I mean, I think Paulie, that's totally a fair point. And also, I think Seb, when Zlatan goes to MLS, then you should probably even just like book a ticket with an empty suitcase to Manchester to clear out all of those discount Zlatan jerseys for <laughs> Stella in every year of her life, just yep. like every single size until she turns twenty. That is true. That's true. Or or I'll, she can just grow into mine. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah, but uh, speaking of Manchester United, they are reportedly closing in on a central defender. Also a Swede. Good, because we need Marcos Rose, a walking disaster waiting to happen. Yeah, so Victor Lindelof, 22-year-old from Westeros, just north of Stockholm, I believe, if my Swedish... Geography isn't totally off. Um, well, it's better than ours. Eh, you never know. I mean, the <laughs> money here, though. I, I know it's the sun, so we'll take it with a big scoop of salt. But 42 million pounds. Jeez. Jeez. 42 million pounds for a player in January. That has to be some form of record, right, Paulie? Because Manchester United only do records nowadays, right? We only do records, but Fernando Torres was a lot more expensive. Oh, that's a that is a good point. Is that how much was he in? Fifty. Fifty. Ooh, huh. Yeah, and that was yeah, that was what like six years ago, five years ago. Man, that was six years ago. My God. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, 22... But but, Hmm? but United can learn a thing or two from that. Oh, never mind. It was the other way around. Never mind. Forget what I... I I didn't say anything. Okay. (laughs) So, uh, he would become United's most expensive defender. There we go. So, we're breaking a record. Um, They paid 29.1 million pounds for Rio Ferdinand in 2002 from Leeds. I don't know how much that is in today's money, but um yeah, 22-year-old Swede. He was a big part of the under 21 Euro winners and he's basically become a mainstay here recently in the Swedish national team. By far one of the biggest prospects that we have. I mean, I I know he's 22, but um I think he can become really, really good. But I am worried about that amount of money and that the amount of pressure that comes with that money. Well, I think the key is, especially if you can get Bailly back healthy, mm-hmm. um, you just you don't play him right away. You you do what they did with with uh, Vidic and and Evra and a lot of January transfers, and you just say you're going to sit on the bench for six months and yeah. just get acclimated to Manchester. Yeah. Man, him and Bailly, that could be really good. Why would we do that? We have Phil Jones. God. He almost, he always looks afraid. <laughs> always. Anytime That's he's accurate. on the bench, he looks afraid. It's accurate. Yeah. Um, but yeah, United, they are only three points behind 
Tottenham at this point. Which is shocking. Yeah. It's truly shocking. They um, they picked up three wins in a row here. They're four points out of the Champions League. Whoop, you know, whoop. That's, I don't think it will happen, but four points at Christmas is four points at Christmas. Yeah. Building up that hope for you only to crush your dreams later on. Well, yeah. Finish, I mean, just, fin- finish not, one, one point out of the Champions League. We're not. They still haven't put in a convincing performance. It was like the West Brom game had two goals in it. United just managed to get the second one, but they never put them away. I mean, it felt pretty done and dusted after Slatan's second, and then, yeah, West Brom well, pushed on the at the second. end. Yeah. After the second. Yes. Rondon still had that chance earlier, and it's just that's the way the season's been going, really. Is... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Five shots on targets. West Brom had one. I mean, it's just nice to see them keep a clean sheet, too. Really. It is. Well, won't argue there. Well, Liverpool, they took a one nothing victory over Everton in the Merseyside Derby. Late winner by Sadio Mane, pouncing on a rebound after Daniel Sturge came off the bench and hit the post. So, Liverpool, they're in second place. Um, and... More importantly, maybe, they have two clean sheets in a row. Simone Mignolet to the rescue. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, the... He's like the skin... That if David De Gea was a snake, that's the skin that he shed playing goalkeeper. That's, like, how far off the pace he is from being a truly world-class keeper. Yeah. But I mean, with with the performances of Carius, though, I I do understand why Klopp made the change. It was me and Paul. We talked about this. It was weird though that he went out and criticized Gary Neville for criticizing Carius, um, and then dropped him. But whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah. Well, t- but I, I mean, I think that that makes that makes sense from his point of view, right? Because he he doesn't want to seem like he's caving to media pressure ever, and so he comes out in a typical cloppian fashion of guns blazing lots of strong rhetoric and then actually does exactly that yeah uh ragnar klavan and dejan lovren have been the central defensive pairing here in the past two games uh only they've only started three games together uh, i know they started that first i want to say yeah they started the first game of the season and then due to injuries and other stuff they haven't played together since, but now two games in a row here. Um, Joel Matip injured and also in danger of getting suspended after refusing to play for Cameroon in the African Cup of Nations. Oh, really? Can't do that. If your national team calls you up, you got to go. Mm. Yep. Yeah, I mean, nobody like nobody that I support would ever do that. I mean, nobody on the Portland Timbers whose name starts Darling and ends B would ever do something like that, would they? Right? Well, he got lucky because we got a new manager (laughs) and he said, oh, I'm bringing that guy in right away. Yep. (laughs) Boy, he really... He he played that hand strong and I think that his bluff probably should have been called and hell, we called that on this show, but he lucked out like none other in that. It was the, it, the funny thing is like the anti-Quinsman people were still like, yeah, no, Darrington Nagby, he he effed up. 
The people that like like look for any reason to blame Klinsman are like, how can you do this if you're Darlington Nagby? Yeah. But hey, like at this point, you know, you get a call up to Marcus Beasley, who's retired, gets a called up. Uh, Landon Donovan will probably get a call up. But he's retired again. So is Beasley. No, no, but I mean Donovan like retired, retired again, didn't he? Well, yeah. Beasley, Beasley retired from international football. Yo, yo, but Donovan retired from soccer altogether again. So what? Do you think that's going to stop him? (laughs) He was retired last year and Bruce Arena called him in. (laughs) Bruce Arena said, oh, we need help in the playoff push. I have a whole academy of players that I keep telling the whole world, hey, these guys deserve a chance. They deserve a chance. But no, I'm going to call up Landon Donovan, who was last seen kicking a ball around the quad at some university. Yeah, well, let's not get off on the side tenure with the U.S. men's national team. There'll be plenty of time to talk to about that in the coming months. Spurs, they took a 2-1 to win over Burnley. Burnley still waiting for that first away win. Is it ever going to happen? I don't know. They uh, went up one nothing here through Ashley Barnes, but then Spurs came roaring back. Deli Ali and Denny Rose. Yeah, we don't have any, anything to say about Tottenham. That's good. No, I mean, they just good. they made it difficult on themselves. <laughs> yeah. And this is the problem with Tottenham. They should have, like, who'd they beat, like, two weeks ago? 5-0. Uh, let's see. Who was that? That was Swansea. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Burnley, Burnley, who, like, are an actual soccer team when they play at Turf Moor and look like an American football team who's just been thrown onto a, to the field to play a foreign sport every time they leave the confines of their own stadium and Tottenham struggle with that. Tottenham, which team are you? Wait, how can I buy into you when, you know, you make a mess out of Burnley? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was looking at this. So they have, they've only allowed 12 goals. Tottenham, 17 games. Same thing they did last year. They yeah. defend. Defend, they, they defend. Yeah. They, and they, they guess what? Guess what though? They gave one up to Burnley. Yes. At home. Yep. Uh, they've scored 29, which I thought was low when I was looking at the teams above them. You got Arsenal, 38, City, 36, Liverpool, 41, and Chelsea, 35. But it's probably like 20 more than United have scored, though. United have 24, which was what Tottenham had after 17 games last season. But Tottenham's goal, to, United's goal differential is like plus five. Seven. It's a joke. <laughs> Come on. It's seven. <laughs> At least they're not Hull, minus 22. Yeah, they're not, but uh, they also, they had, they were missing Harry Kane for a while. Yes. But yeah, the defense definitely their bread and butter. Uh, only Chelsea have allowed fewer goals, 11. Um, so it will be interesting. They take on Southampton on the road here on Wednesday. That is like a whole week from now. Yeah, it's hard to believe. (laughs) A week away in which never again will fixtures be a week away for a while now. (laughs) Mm. Yeah, Southampton, I mean, they took a 3-1 win on the road against Bournemouth. Big issue there is goal scoring, really. You got Charlie Austin and then Jay Rodriguez got two goals in this one. Uh, Okay, but the... There's two issues with every team right now. Yes. And that's goal scoring is one of them. 
Unless no team has a consistent beautiful. goal scorer, really. And defending. No team has central defending. That's anywhere in the world. So, And what ends up happening is, you know, people pop up in random places and they're there for goals, but, you know, there's nobody that you can count on. Say, you know, we're down a goal, we need something. Let's... Oh, okay, we could, you know, this guy's on the field, we'll be okay. Yeah, Jermaine Defoe. Uh, Jermaine Defoe's kind of cooled off recently. <laughs> He's got eight out of Sunderland's 15 goals. Right, that's... She's... He's a decent performer on an atrocious team. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but give the guy yeah. give the guy some credit because uh, he has always just consistently scored in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, and no also he's he good team, bad team. He's he's just a guy that that shows up to work and and scores his 15 out of the 38 games. <laughs> yeah, and he's, like, getting the kind of service you'd get at 2 a.m. at an understaffed Arby's. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> seriously, it's, it is impressive on some level. Mm-hmm. Uh, do we want to say anything about... And the guy, the, the yes. guy took, like, a spell in... The guy took a spell in, in the MLS where he, you know, was considered, like, a flop and a failure. He scored 11 goals in 19 games, but that's just... You know, Bradley Wright Phillips scores a lot of goals in MLS, so. Yeah. He's no Sebastian Jovinko. <laughs> no, but I, I forgot why I had to look it up this week, and let's get back on to the MLS right now. Uh, Bradley Wright Phillips has never scored more than – has never sc- has, uh, has never scored in double digits in his life, except for three times or four times. Twice we're in League One – and the other times were in MLS. So even when he plays in the championship, he can't hit double digits. Didn't he play as a winger, though, when he was in England? Not so much. No? He led, like, Manchester City's youth team in goals. Hmm. Okay, because when I... I want to say that he was... He might have been a bit of a winger, but... At least when he was with the first team. I... I think he played more wing, but... Uh... He's a forward here. Yeah. Oh, well. Uh, Let's move on, though. Leicester City, they still don't have an away win. 2-2 draw against Stouk. Came back, though, in that one. Stoke went up 2-0 in the first half. Boyan, penalty. Joe Allen, stoppage time. Then uh, Leonardo Oyoa. Is that how you say his last name? Yeah. Ochoa. 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 Uh, and then Daniel Amarte, two minutes from full time. Jamie Vardy got sent off in this one. 20th minute. Um, who did – he brought on – it was – what's his face? Ranier, he brought on Ochoa and and what's his name, Gray? Yeah, Dimitri. Is it Dimitri? Yeah, something like that. They changed the game though. Like, that was a great move. They changed the game. They flipped this game around because Stoke had total control of this game, and those guys changed the game around unless they get the draw. This just comes back to, That's what it is. This, this just comes back to, like, so many of these teams in the Premier League, after 17 games, haven't been able to figure their shit out. Yeah, I... Well, for, so first of all, back to the Jamie Vardy red. I think it was a little harsh. Like, he... It was very he got harsh. the ball... I mean, he went in with two feet, but he still got the ball first, and he 
Yeah, I mean, if he's a defender, he pulls the second leg back and just gets a yellow, but I think it should have just been a yellow. But again, to your point, Paulie, that they did change the game. And I think that this is, I mean, this is the 2017 versus 2016 Leicester that we're seeing, but they still have those squad players who can come in off the bench. It's just the difference being that now they're coming in off the bench to save a draw, whereas before they were coming in to you know, secure all three points more often. And the difference is that they're, they're coming in, um, they're coming in every game to do this. Like the stars aren't doing it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So with that, but I will say, I listen, uh, mm-hmm. on one of the podcasts I was listening to, they described the Jamie Vardy red as a, a harsh, as a strong yellow and a soft red. So, mm-hmm. uh, they appealed the decision. But it was denied, so he'll get three games suspension here. And uh, Leicester City chairman, I mean, we got to all give a try on this one. Yeah. Elliot, you say his name first. Oh, God. Uh, Vihai Srivadana Prabha. Vihai Srivadana Prabha. Polly? Give me a second. Trying to like no, don't I'm Google it. it. Come on, try to read it. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you this: his Wikipedia page it breaks it down into four different things, and none of them are helpful. <laughs> okay. See, don't Google it. We we chai we chai we we chai see a Who the what are you? <laughs> Why are we doing this? I'm, I'm, I'm oh, he's the founder I'm of like, Power. He's the owner. I'm, he's I'm a listener city like chairman. First and the last clause. It's Shri and then Prabha, but I don't know the Vada, Vadahana. Vadahana. Shri, there you go. Vada. Vishai Shri Vadahana Prabha. He used to be named Vishai, um, or Vishai. It's a W sound. Okay. Vishai Raksriaksorn. Which was Roxyoxin. That's so much easier. Mm-hmm. Why did he change his name? I don't know. But that's the list of chairman. He went on his Instagram account to uh, sour grape about the uh, decision to uh, deny the appeal. I'm so sorry for the unfair judgment of referee Tuvardi and more sorry that our appeal was rejected. This kind of judgment distorted charm- charming of English Premier. I spend a lot of time and effort to make my beloved LCFC a success, but this incident made me feel dispirit from football. Mm -hmm. So yeah, they will be without Jamie Vardy for three games. Which games will he miss? Pauly, pull out the schedule real quick. Yeah, I could do this now. I've gotten used to my new computer where I could... Where you can actually do stuff. Real quick. Yeah. <laughs> they play Everton, December 26th. Uh, four days later, they play West Ham. At home. Both of those are home games. And then t- January 2nd, the early game in Middlesbrough. Hmm. Okay. Not a super tough sketch, but... No, Southampton have the toughest schedule. Yeah. They That's play right. like every other day. It's like ridiculous. Somehow, like they're 
their like fest their like boxing day match is on like the 28th and then they play on like the 30th and then the second it's like absurd what their mm-hmm. schedule is let's go over to west ham though they have two straight wins here two straight one nothing wins over burnley and hull in their latest game so they're up to 13th place now they got a i'm gonna little... put elliot on the spot here would you have picked a one nil win for west ham uh, no, you wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. All right, well, I, I would have picked up two points on him anyway. There. Uh, yeah. We'll yeah. see. I mean, I think that they're probably going to. I, th- I mean, I think that they're probably going to fin- continue their. Well, probably continue their winning ways against Swansea, especially since you know they've been better on the road than at home, anyways. And I don't know that. Swans historically, actually have a historically, West Ham usually fade in the second half of the season. Yeah, but I think that they could win, even though their next two games are both on the road. I think that they can, you know. I'm saying they, they did not put Swansea themselves into without Jamie. They did not put themselves into a good position so far in the season, and usually they they do worse in the second half of the season than they do in the first. Yeah, but I don't think that that's going to happen this year just because I do think that even if it's not exactly a fortress, they are going to slowly build towards having a maybe not home field advantage, but not a home field disadvantage, which we've seen I have now. to bring it up, all right? Those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Okay. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, we should say real quick that Hull, they got the worst record right now. They're at the bottom of the table, 12 points, three losses, two draws in the last five. Um, we should also say that going into match day three, they were in first place. Yes. So they've, uh, they've been all over the table. Mm-hmm. Then second worst record right now, Burnley, four losses, one win, together with Watford, four losses and one win. Watford, you know, 2 nothing defeated Man City on match day 16, and then last go-around, one nothing defeat to Sunderland. They take on Crystal Palace, who sits just above the drop zone, they have three losses, one win, one draw. But they've also played Man United and Chelsea in their last two games. So we'll we'll see what happens there. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting trying to predict these games here when you gotta sort of take into account that there'll be some rotation, some fatigue. Maybe someone ate too much Christmas ham. Had a one too many you know, mulled wines. What are we talking about? Talking about the Christmas period. <laughs> Players maybe not doing what they should do. I think it's more about slide tackling on potentially frozen pitches in the north of England. I Those feel like just don't get frozen anymore. Yeah, they all have ah, under yeah, soil yeah. heating. Yeah, but you still, don't... like, sl- but sliding on grass in 70 degrees is very different from sliding on even you don't thawed get, grass in 30. You don't get frozen pitches anymore that postpone games and make for very interesting fantasy weeks anymore. Mm. Mm. Kind of takes the fun out of fantasy. Okay, before we wrap up, though, Sunderland, that one nothing win on Watford, Patrick van Anholt with the lone goal in that one. So Sunderland up to 18th place. They're one point behind Crystal Palace. They have two wins in the last five. They take on Manchester United. David Moyes going back to Old Trafford. What kind of welcome will he get, Polly? 
David Moyes going back to Old Trafford. Yes. They'll get a warm. You a really warm think reception. so? Yeah. I I think they'll boo him. I don't know. I, I tell you what, I think that I think that if this fixture happened three weeks ago, there'd be fans with signs saying, We hate you, but we wish you were back. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, like the signs would be like, I kinda wish you were back, but <laughs> because I forgot how bad you were. Mm. Like go back and go back and yeah. look at some of the team sheets for that. And when you see the when you see the the uh, midfield of Valencia Michael Carrick, Phil Jones, and Ashley Young, and you're like, oh, right, I remember why he got fired. David Moyes is like the functional equivalent of the ex-boyfriend you know is bad for you, but you get drunk and your current spouse is like, eh, well, they suck, so maybe, but oh, God, no, actually, that was a terrible idea. You were were bad to begin with. (laughs) He He went out amicably. He didn't come in. He didn't come in like Van Gaal or, or, um, or Mourinho saying, "Oh, this is gonna. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna do such a good job here." Uh, but you also need to give me time. So, like, and and keep beating that over the head. Of, oh, it's, it's just give me more time, more time. But trust me, it's going to be amazing here. He came in because he kind of didn't have a choice. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Sir Alex Ferguson brought him over to his house and said, "You're the new manager," yeah. and that was that. And he came in and he just said, "He said, you know, uh, we hope to continue winning." You know, yeah. Like you can't really say no, but that's the biggest crucible. That's the most pressure you could possibly be under. It, it is, but I thought he handled it kind of well. Did he make a mistake by clearing out the backroom staff and bringing in his own staff from Everton? Yes, but he's admitted that. You know, he's admitted that he made mistakes. Uh, he got fired because the the club realized we made a mistake. Better to do this now than later. So good on the club. He went out amicably. So you know, I think he just gets a. Warm reception. I don't think he gets a standing ovation, but I don't think he gets booed either. Mm-hmm. I think he'll come get in, booed. You know, you know, he didn't come in with high expectations. No. He came in with people saying, well, we won the league last year. We have the same team. Uh, he did a good job with nothing at Everton, so now what's going to happen when he has toys to play with at United? And the skeptic said, yeah, but, you know, he's really inexperienced and he doesn't deal with that. And it turns out they were right, but the other people weren't expecting him to be good. They were just hopeful that he'd be good. Mm. Mm. Uh, Closing thoughts. I'll kick things off here. Got two little things. Um, Romelu Lukaku is uh, 99.9% sure to sign a new deal with Everton, according to his agent, Mino Raiola also has Slatan and Paul Pogba in his stable. Um, quite the turnaround from this summer where he was very adamant that he wanted to leave the club, handed in a transfer request, and now he sets, he's set to become the first 100,000 pounds plus a week player in Everton history. So that's what money can do. Number two. Robert Snodgrass turns down an extension from Hull City. This is one player that some of those struggling teams should take a hard look at and try to bring over in January. Yeah, yeah, that's that, that's a great point. I mean, he's at he's in a sinking ship, and he, 
probably want to cash in. So yeah. he's he essentially be a, an early parachute payment, but mm-hmm. yeah. And I mean, at 29 year old too, this is probably his last big contract. Yeah. <gasps> mm, Elliot. Well, both of mine come not from the, from MLS specifically, although it's related, but from the U S men's national team involving transfers, uh, Bayern Munich confirmed that Julian Green is going to join Stuttgart, who have a long history in the Bundesliga, but are currently in the Bundesliga 2. Uh, Great move. Great move. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think that he needs... I mean, let's be real. The Bundesliga 2 is still a stronger league than MLS, and he needs more regular playing time. Mm-hmm. So apparently I think that's he's a... going to be playing there. So Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Bobby another, Wood played in that league last year, and he did fun. Yeah. Uh, another league, or another move from a potential U.S. international who hasn't really kind of solidified himself but plays in the same position is Miguel Ibarra has agreed, or rather Min- Minnesota United have agreed a fee with Lyon from Liga MX for Miguel Ibarra right on the eve of Minnesota United being promoted to the MLS, which, I mean, this is one that's a little trickier for me to parse because I still think that the level of play in Liga MX is higher than the MLS. I think that the ceiling on MLS is higher, but it's not there yet. But it's, I mean, he's really been the face of this club Mm -hmm. for the last several years. And he's 26, and right as they're about to be promoted to the quote-unquote, top tier of U.S. soccer, he agrees of a transfer away to another international league, which, I, I mean, I think that it's probably good for him. I think it's definitely bad for Minnesota United um, because he's one of the few players who I think you could say were you know, clearly of the caliber who could cut it in MLS, and now they're going to be, I don't know, I, I, it, it's a move that I think makes sense for Ibarra, but surprises me from Minnesota United's point of view. And I wonder if he wasn't I, pushing for a move, maybe to a, you know a league in Europe of perhaps a similar caliber to Bundesliga 2, but failed to secure it and said, "Okay, I'll settle for Lyon in a similar way that Clint Dempsey said." Well, I want to go to the Champions League. Oh crap! I guess I'll settle. I'll go to Tottenham. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll just piggyback on that. I actually did a, a deep dive into Liga MX t- this morning, trying to figure out how it works. So apparently they have two That's seasons. Weird. Yeah, they have, they have two seasons. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, it's strange. Yep. It's like they have in, uh, in Argentina, too. Uh, yeah, it's, it's weird. And on top of that, the seasons are, like, back-to-back. So the fall season ends, like, next week, and the, the spring season ends... Uh, begins in in like two weeks um and then they go to the the CONCACAF Champions League and then up until this year three teams would go to the Copa Libertadores or whatever it's called Libertadores Libertadores which started like which starts in like June so I'm pretty sure that there are some teams in Mexico that just don't have an off season um but yeah and I just thought about it a lot recently when I just I'm listening to Don Garber and all these MLS fans try to tell me that the, the quality of play is better than you think it is in MLS and oh especially when MLS fans look at a team like 
Burnley or Sunderland or Aston Villa last year and they go, oh my God, any team in MLS is way better than Aston Villa. And it's like, no, you're not. Dude. That's, that's like when somebody shows you their Mazda Miata from 2002 and they're like, no, but I swear it's a sports car. No, you're not, dude. Like, yeah, if Aston Villa came to MLS, like they would not do well, but that's because of the travel and the heat and the turf and everything. But if, if you brought an MLS team to England and, and they did that, they'd, they'd get curb stomped. And I know this because... I mean, the MLS can't even beat Liga MX in the Champions League. Yeah. Last yeah, year, they regularly. last year four teams played. The, the quarterfinals were MLS versus Liga MX, MLS versus Liga MX, MLS versus Liga MX, and all four semifinalists were from Liga MX. And mm. so until I could see that, because then if you if you could actually win the Champions League, then I'll get to see you actually play a competitive game against another team from another region. And I mean, obviously, you're going to get curb stomped by. Real Madrid or Bayern Munich or Barcelona or whichever team wins the Champions League, but you can't even beat Liga MX. Let's not let's let's not worry about where you fall, whether the English Championship is better than MLS, which by the way it is. And this is probably why I looked up Bradley Wright Phillips goals because Bradley Wright Phillips could score as as he wishes in the MLS. He couldn't buy a goal in the championship. Yeah, and honestly, just don't compare to European clubs. Yeah, I mean it's so with the system being what it is in MLS with the draft and designated players and a salary cap, just just don't okay. It's totally well, they different. Love, they love citing all these players who come over from Europe and they say, "Wow, this league is so much tougher than you think it is." And it's like they're not talking about the competition. They are talking about the fact that if they don't play, like in the Eastern Conference, routinely they're taking a three and a half hour flight to get to their opponent's game, which is unheard of in England. Yeah. Um, you know, routinely you're playing on a, on a field turf field in 95 degree heat. You know, you don't deal with that in England. That's what they're talking about is tough. Not, oh my God, the center backs are so hard and you, there's no, there's no room on the ball and you're just, the you know, quality of play is just unbelievable. It's like, it's like fight, facing over at Koscielny out there. That's not what they mean. No. Okay, with that, we'll say goodbye. We'll talk to you again later in the week when we'll preview match day 18. Until then, follow us on Twitter. I'm Seb Norin, Polly is P. Questel, WFAN, and Elliot is Keats Was Better, and give Henrik Sports a follow as well. You could actually keep following me after until then. Like, you follow me now and then keep following me. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> give us a follow and keep following. Yes. And, uh, yeah, until next time, have a good one. Bye. Thank you.